Hi, Star Wars friends. I'm Ryan Walker, and this is episode 36 of Jump to Lightspeed. So I think we can all agree that the cast put together for the Mandalorians, specifically the cast members who played recurring characters, was excellent. I mean, we we had Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, uh, Gina Carano as Cara Dune, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, Nick Nolte as Quill, Nick Nolte as an Ugnaught, and of course the legendary Werner Herzog, who went all in with his role as the client. But the cast was much larger than just those individuals. There were many characters who were only featured in just a single episode or maybe even just a single scene. And if you're anything like me, you had many moments this season where you found yourself thinking, where do I know this guy from? So today's episode of the podcast is dedicated to pointing out these characters and highlighting what is likely their most well-known prior acting gig, the, the reason that you might have known them. So let's start all the way back in Chapter 1. We have Mando's first bounty, the, the unnamed Blue Mithril. He was played by Horatio Sands, who was the first Hispanic cast member of Saturday Night Live. He played a number of different characters on that show, as do most of its cast. But what I remember him for was his run on Weekend Update when he filled in for, I, I want to say, uh, Tina Fey while she was on maternity leave. Also on that episode, the speeder pilot who drives Mando and the Mithral uh, to the Razor Crest was played by Brian Poson, who uh, seems to have a bit part in pretty much everything, but most recently had a recurring role as Bert Kibler on The Big Bang Theory. Okay, let's skip ahead to Chapter 4, Sanctuary, which is the episode where we find Mando tempted to leave the child on the planet Sorgon in the care of Omera. Omera was played by Julia Jones. Uh, now, she didn't look familiar to me, but fans of the Twilight series should definitely remember her as the, the female shape-shifting werewolf, Leah Clearwater. Or if you watch Westworld, which, again, I, I haven't, uh, shame on me, uh, you might know her as Kohana from season two of that show. Chapter 5 was the gunslinger and the woman who repairs the razor crest on Tatooine and babysits the child for a while was Peli Moto, who was played by Amy Sedaris. Now, I knew Sedaris' name, I knew she was a well-known comedian, and for some reason, I thought that she was also an SNL cast member, but it turns out that I actually just recognized her voice. She was the voice, she is the voice of Princess Caroline on BoJack Horseman. Fennec Shand uh, was played by the amazing Ming-Na Wen, who, of course, had a long-running role recently as Agent Melinda May on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and an interesting note from her IMDb page, I guess she was a royal trumpeter on an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood way back in 1985. So if you have a collection of uh, Mr. Rogers on VHS, go, go back and watch the 1985 episodes and see if you can, if, if you can pick her out. And, of course, the, the, the wannabe bounty hunter, uh, Toro Calican, was played by Jake Cannavale, who, who looked familiar to me. Uh, doesn't exactly have much in the way of acting credits yet, but he's the son of Bobby Cannavale, uh, who is pretty well known for his roles in Will and & Grace and Mr. Robot, and whom Jake does kind of look like because of, you know, how genetics work. 
Now we're on to chapter 6, The Prisoner, and oh man, were there a lot of familiar faces here. Uh, Ranzar Maul was played by Mark Boone Jr., whose most recent long-running role was as Bobby Munson in 92 episodes of Sons of Anarchy. Mayfield was, of course, played by Bill Burr, a very well-known stand-up comedian and podcaster. Uh, he hosts the Monday Morning Podcast, which has been running since 2007. I didn't know they had podcasts on computers way back then. We also had Natalia Tenna playing Gian. She's best known as Nymphadora Tonks in the Harry Potter films. Uh, we had Clancy Brown playing Blurg. Not Blurg. Berg, and he's been in, like, everything. Though I remember him best as John Danziger from the one-season wonder from the late 90s called Earth 2. Brown is also a very prolific voice actor. In fact, I'd say the vast majority of his recent credits are voice credits. And this brings us to the first of many Star Wars cross-pollinations in this episode, as Brown also played the voice of Ryder Azadi in, in a dozen episodes of Rebels and Savage Opress, uh, among others, in The Clone Wars. Uh, we're not quite done with Chapter 6 yet. As I said, there were a lot of characters in this episode. Uh, the terrified New Republic officer on the bridge of the prison ship, that was Matt Lanter, who's the voice of Anakin Skywalker in all of Lucasfilm Animation's projects. And the three X-Wing pilots who swoop in and save the day at the end, they were Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa, and David Filoni, who all directed at least one episode of The Mandalorian. Chow directed chapters 3 and 7. Famuyiwa, I, I really apologize for mispronouncing that, directed chapter 2. And Dave Filoni, of course, is the head of Lucasfilm Animation. He directed chapters 1 and 5 and also wrote chapter 5, which is a big part of the reason why I said earlier this week that our mysterious boot man is, is likely tied to a Star Wars animation project, be it, it one from the past or one in the future. Now, last but certainly not least, let's get to Chapter 8 and those scout troopers. Adam Pally played the trooper who had his finger bitten by Baby Yoda. Um, his recent credits include Max Blum, Max Bloom, on the ABC series Happy Endings, and Dr. Peter Prentice on the Mindy Project. I haven't seen either of those. He will also be in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming out in a few short months, which I almost definitely will see. And finally, and we're coming full circle here, we have the most hated man on Star Wars social media right now, and I, of course, mean the child-punching Jason Sudeikis, who is another Saturday Night Live alumnus. Uh, he played a number of characters between 2003 and 2013, including some political figures like former President George W. Bush and former Vice President Joe Biden. So there we go. And, and one final note on these castings. Uh, it was great that they chose actors and actresses for these minor roles that were obviously familiar, but not so well known that we'd be taken out of the story because of who they are, if that makes any sense. Like in Solo, there's a brief moment early on where, where I clearly remember thinking, man, I can't believe that's Woody from Cheers. Or in The Rise of Skywalker, any time Dominic Monaghan was on screen, which admittedly wasn't very often, uh, I couldn't help but think to myself, not Penny's boat. His iconic final words scrawled on his palm and lost. For the most part, I, I recognize the performers in The Mandalorian after the fact, uh, usually during a second viewing. 
And when you're working on building a universe as large and as immersive as the Star Wars universe sometimes tends to be, casting choices like these can really make or break or interfere with, I should say, um, an episode. So that's going to do it for today. I'll be back with one final Mandalorian episode tomorrow, sharing my predictions for Season 2. But until then, if you have any thoughts at all on today's episode that you'd like to share, feel free to send me an email at jumptolightspeedpod at gmail.com or tweet at me at jumptolightspeed. While you're on the Twitters, don't forget to hit the follow button on my account. I'm closing in on 50 followers already. Woohoo! And I'd love to get there by the weekend. And if you already follow me there, then please retweet this episode when you see it posted, because even more so than reviews... That is one of the best ways to help this podcast or or any podcast grow. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.